millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars, and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, 
save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. Noblegoldinvestments.com. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Greetings and salutations, loyal viewer, and yes, I mean singular, one viewer out there who watches all my videos and hits like every single time. Today, we're going to do a bit of a follow-up to a previous video that I did, where I discussed TYT's newest panelist, one Jessica Burbank, and her reaction to the whole Robert Adams situation. Now, I'm not going to stay on that same topic. What I'm actually going to do is transition to this TED Talk that a bunch of you sent me, because you said, if you think her talking points are terrible there, just wait until you see this TED Talk, which is likely the reason why she's hired at TYT, and I will say, I was not disappointed. It is full communist garbage, and we're going to go through it, all the misstatements, all the misinformation, all the disinformation, but first, we got a sponsor, we're going to toss it over to the sponsor, and then we're going to talk about this on the other side. How many times have you seen something that you loved be updated into something woke unfunny uninteresting and you just felt sour about it how many times have you asked yourself where is the good art where's the good stuff that's uncensored unfiltered totally independent of this woke garbage well today i have the answer for you my friends and that of course is flip city magazine flip city magazine is hilarious all the way through this thing is like mad magazine before it went woke and it holds no bars it's a hundred percent independent and they're fully committed to free speech. The issue I'm holding right now has an amazing cover featuring Kyle Rittenhouse and a Count Dankula interview that's exclusive to the magazine. But the real reason I love Flip City, other than the amazing art, other than the effort that you could see on every single page, is the fact that they put comedy first. This thing is hilarious from front to back. And they're not afraid to go after people in the conservative movement that need a little bit of making fun of. Check out this section on Conservative Inc. When's the last time you saw anybody on the right wing side take some shots at their own side that is proof positive of their commitment to comedy that you could see on every single page of this magazine so do yourself a favor go over to flipcitymag.com and get yourself a subscription or you could check out the pin link top of the comments of this video or the top of the description box and get it there it's amazing you'll be laughing all the way through it that's flipcitymag.com so this is one of the many offshoots of tedx talks this one appears to be a brown u edition and honestly it doesn't look good on our ivy league institutions that you could have somebody completely unqualified come up and spew a bunch of communist nonsense with bad numbers bad citations misinformation throughout the course of the talk and everybody would give it cheers and you throw it up on the channel and nobody would question it but then again that is the state of the modern ivy league university so what are you gonna do that's why we're here so we're going to debunk this nonsense so let's get into this video people living in the united states the wealthiest country on earth are unhappy with their material conditions we have more than enough resources to make everyone entirely comfortable but under our current economic system many people's most basic needs are not met so first and foremost i know a lot of you out there on the internet.com are cruel mean not very nice people and i just want to say shame on you i understand that public speaking is difficult you should understand that public speaking is difficult so we're not going to grade the cadence or whether or not she ropes you in or anything like that because again it's difficult and she's trying to sell you on communism while promising it to be a new idea in the title of this which is nonsensical so just give her a break on the public speaking be nice guys out there if the purpose of the economy is to manage resources and organize labor to meet our material wants and needs the economy is not realizing its purpose it is failing so first and foremost the purpose of an economy is to raise the standard of living of the participants this whole thing about material needs or material wants whatever whatever that's some marxist nonsense in the language the point of an economy the point of economic growth is that we want to see our standard of living rise and it is hard to argue unless you're a nonsensical person that the standard of living in mostly capitalist countries has risen steadily over time while people who try these new innovative alternative economic 
economic systems tend to find suffering and misery and oftentimes regression in their standard of living. Let's analyze a basic example of production. Let's say we have a company, they produce something, we will call it widgets. We have some made-up currency that only has value because you and I agree it does right now. It's called U.S. dollars. I'm just kidding. We'll call it coins. You have a widget shop owner and a worker. The worker is paid a wage of 10 coins an hour. And they're pretty good. They make about 20 widgets every hour or 140 widgets in a day. Widgets are sold for six coins each. Subtract raw materials and operating costs for a profit of about five coins per widget. In a day, the worker is paid 80 coins. They make 140 widgets with their own two hands, and then the owner sells these widgets, and after labor costs, makes 620 coins in a day. To make that money, what work did the owner do? None. So our first example is one of these rudimentary, nonsensical examples put forward by leftists all the time, where they pretend that labor is the only component in production. Therefore, therefore, if you work for a job and you produce stuff that values at this amount, but you only get paid this lesser amount, then the difference between what you get paid and what you produce is actually the wage slavery, wage theft, whatever, whatever. But here's the thing, and we talked about it multiple different times, and we'll go over it later in this channel. Capital is a portion of this. Remember, you're allocating land, labor, and capital in a capitalist market. So the idea that if you hire somebody and then you invest a million dollars in a tractor and they become so much more productive than a guy that you hired with a shovel years ago, that therefore, therefore, you need to pay the guy driving the tractor all the way significantly way more, even though most of the productivity comes from the tractor, the capital investment, is absurd in every possible way. And this is an ongoing theme throughout this TED Talk that we're going to go over because oftentimes what we see when people are quoting all these productivity numbers isn't the workers just becoming so much better at doing this or that. It's technology improving, capital investments improving. And yes, if I invest money into a business based on the work that I did in the past or however I got the the money, then I'm entitled to a portion of that. If you can do better, if you can produce better on your own, then go do that on your own. But typically, people who sell their labor are selling it for a higher price than they could make if they weren't working at that place. And what is the definition of getting things for free? Doing no work yourself to earn them. This is how corporations make profits. Paying workers less per hour than their labor is worth. It quite literally is not less per hour than their labor is worth. Again, capital is driving most of the increases in productivity, but we'll wait until we get into the charts. To be productive, we need things. We need resources, tools, machinery, land, the means of production. A small group of people own almost all of the means of production. The rest of us who do not have them do not have the ability to be productive on our own accord. To do so, we must sell our labor. Now, I just want to point out how embarrassing Marxists are, especially in the current year. We don't have this factory model where you have a centrally controlled factory and everybody in the town needs to work for that factory. There's a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different competitions. You can go educate yourself, train yourself, and specialize in a bunch of different ways. So the idea that these doofs are still making arguments based on what Karl Marx observed in a factory 150 to 180 years ago is absurd and insane in every possible way but this is where we're at with the modern left this is one of the reasons why people call them regressives they are actually regressing back to worse economic theories that have failed repeatedly based on the idea that we could say means of production a whole bunch of times again do something else it's not like you're in a one factory town and even if you are in a one factory town and you don't want to work there move out of the town it has become normalized for a company to purchase a person for a given amount of time control what they do in that time and how they present themselves, and take ownership of everything they make while they're working. But we have to participate in this system because we need to earn money in order to purchase the basic necessities. And when we spend our money on rent, water, and food, the money's just going right back to the owners of corporations. 
In our economy, the working class must do labor for someone else to profit off of in order to survive. This is called wage slavery. Yes, you work to survive. This has been true of humans since the dawn of humanity. If you wanted to eat, it's not like you could just go find some rich person, get your buddy Karl Marx to take it and distribute food to you. You would go out and hunt. If you wanted some fruit or berries or whatever, then you have to go out and forage. When we had farms, you would have to till your own land. You always have to produce in order to survive. The idea that this is somehow slavery, how we exist in nature, that we need things in order to survive therefore we are obligated to go get them for ourselves is absurd it's insane these people are essentially saying nature is unfair now we have a more sophisticated economy but we still require the basic principle and by the way we don't even really require that with the modern welfare state that you have to provide for yourself you have to go out and produce something in order to eat and now in a modern economy it's not like we're all hunting the same scarce resources and we need to go to war over the good foraging spots or anything like that now we do this voluntarily and people actually work by serving one another which makes our society much better off and raises our standard of living far beyond what it was throughout the large majority of human history gross domestic products the total dollar value of goods and services we produce as a country in one year increased steadily over the past 50 years yet Our wages are decreasing and have been for the past 50 years. I really did look hard for the sources for these charts. You'll notice that on the bottom of the screen, they're non-existent. So they're actually really difficult to find. I screen grabbed them. I uploaded them into Google Images to find out exactly where these comparisons were coming from so I could look at the metrics used in the wage decline. That being said, it's just not there. I don't know where these childlike charts came from or anything like that. But typically what people do in these situations is they'll put out a chart similar to this, which is the productivity versus wages chart. And they'll say, look, the American worker is far more productive. Notice how she focused on GDP, which is not the productivity, and their wages aren't going down. And the way that typically this is addressed is what we find out is that they're using non-supervisor-based wages and the productivity for all workers, including those supervisors. And if you were to include the workers that are deliberately excluded by organizations like the Economic Policy Institute, what you would ultimately end up finding out is that the wages to productivity line are actually significantly closer because a lot of the higher up supervisor type workers, they're the ones producing the majority of the productivity. But this chart doesn't have that. It just says adjusted for inflation. This is the wage going down, which doesn't really make any sense because some people's wages might be going down adjusted for inflation, although I would dispute that. But all of the data shows us that the quote-unquote decline of the middle class is actually the creation of the upper middle class, not people moving more into poverty. Also, another trick that these people often do is they'll compare things with different inflation metrics in order to exacerbate the differences. So typically, productivity is measured with the IPD, and the CPI is what is used for the wages. So again, these are techniques used to exacerbate this. However, these charts have no sources, so you can't track them down and find out what inflation metrics are used. They're two separate charts comparing two separate things. And again, we have no idea, no concept of what workers are even included in the second chart. But as I've demonstrated with these charts that often float around, it's not really beyond them to exclude certain workers in order to get better results for their arguments. On top of that, for all we know, we could be looking at household income declines or household wage declines, which could be due to the fact that households are shrinking. Essentially, what I'm saying is that these charts with no sources that are basically line goes up, line goes down, prove nothing, they're embarrassing, put a source on the video, I tried looking for them, can't find them, and that way I would be able to break them down. Maybe that's why you didn't have the proper information. So workers are extremely productive but are not receiving the money made off of their productivity. So where is it going? Over the past 50 years, profit margins for corporation owners increased substantially. So first things first, this chart is not a measure of profit margins going up over time. This is a measure of profits before tax going up over time. What we find throughout our history in terms of the United States of America is that profit margins are actually going down, but the way that companies become successful, like your Walmart, like your Amazon, like your whatever, is they sell you a bunch of stuff at low margins so that the total amount of profit that they make becomes 
becomes high. This benefits the consumers with lower consumer good prices, aka you can raise your standard of a living for a lower portion of your income. On top of that, while this does have a source that you can look into and check the inflation metrics, since the other two charts don't have sources, you don't really have anything to compare that against. So this is one solid chart that I would love to compare and break down versus the other charts, even though she mislabeled it as profit margins, that I can't do because, again, there's no sources in the other charts. People work more and more, produce more and more, and make less and less while owners of corporations make more profit and use this money to get even wealthier. So there's actually nothing to support anything that she just asserted right there. It's not presented well in the charts or anything like that. And in fact, we have significant evidence that shows the opposite. She talks about productivity going up. As we talked about before, this is largely due to the fact of substituting capital for labor. So the idea that you would get paid more when in reality, the capital, the technology, the whatever is actually what's making things more productive doesn't really make as much sense when you're breaking it down. Number two, people are not working longer or harder. None of that is true. You can look at any of the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Work hours are going down. The level of danger at work because we have less physically demanding jobs are going down. Workplace accidents, etc., etc. So if you were going to try to break this down in any way you want to imagine it, and I'm not talking about your individual instance or anything like that, but statistically, this is just not true. The only people, by the way, who are working significantly more hours are the people who are earning those high salaries, the CEOs and the people who are working in executive supervisor positions, your programmers, your whatever, whatever, and they are being compensated for the work that they're putting in. Quite perplexingly, this all does not mean that our economic system is broken. It is, in fact, functioning as intended. The definition of capitalism is an economic and political system in which trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit. Think about what this system has led to. The freest, most prosperous societies in the history of the world, a standard of living increase that is unparalleled by human society, bringing us out of the brink of starvation, out of the brink of poverty, a global rise in the standard of living, because even in the third world, we have less people living off of one or two dollars a day, more people who have food in their bellies. All this amazing stuff is what this system has led to. 15 million households do not have enough food to eat. Yet, 30 to 40% of our food supply is wasted annually. Perfectly good food just thrown away because people couldn't pay money to buy it. You know, there's a reason I love doing this job. It's because people on the left make it oh so easy. So she just said 15 million households in the United States of America don't even have enough to eat. Yet we waste just because people can't afford to buy it. 30 to 40 percent of the food is just thrown away because people are too poor to buy it now if you notice her little graphic right here it actually says not that 15 million households don't have enough food to eat it says that 15 million households are quote-unquote food insecure and you guys might remember us discussing food insecurity and what that actually means on this channel before but i'm gonna go over it so you can understand how misleading her presentation of this number is based on the fact that she has no understanding of this number so if you seek out the u.s government's definition for food insecurity what you'll actually find when you actually look it up is that they have two different definitions the first definition is low food security and the second one is very low food security now the overwhelming majority of the food insecure group falls under the low food security so it would be prudent for us to look at that definition let me read it to you and we'll see if this really jives with her 15 million households are going hungry. They don't have enough food to eat. Reports reduce quality, variety, or desirability of diet, little to no indication of reduced food intake. And the very low food security, if you're curious about that, reports of multiple indications of disrupted eating patterns and reduced food intake. Now, as I said, the overwhelming majority of the food insecure population fall under the first category, low food security. And if you see, it's a reduction in variety or desirability 
of food that is available. That is not an indication of a reduced food intake. In fact, there's very little indication of that. And what this essentially means is that you end up making decisions based on the cost of food about what you're going to eat. I'll give you an example of this so you can understand how absurd this definition is and how insane it is to label this people going hungry. So recently, around the 4th of July, I walked into the grocery store. And in the grocery store, you know what I found? T-bone steaks, prime cut, beautiful New York strip, and the filet on the other side for $5.99 a pound. So I snatched up a whole bunch of them, and I ultimately ended up having a barbecue. The next week, I went to the same grocery store. I found the same T-bone steaks, but they weren't on sale anymore. And instead of $5.99 a pound, they were actually $15.99 a pound. So instead, I ended up buying myself some pork chops. Now, technically... It's more desirable for me to have those T-bone steaks fresh off of the grill. And I made a decision based on my financial perspective rather than based on what I actually wanted. Well, under this definition, if I were to answer a survey, I would be calculated under the food insecure population, much like most of the people in the country would actually be calculated under. Because again, we all make decisions based on financial availability when we're at the grocery store. And by the way, these households, it's at any point during the year, if you've made a decision like this, you could qualify as food insecure. So that is not going home. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare flashlight. The Fighter Flare flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Flare.com. 
hungry. That's absurd, and it's absurd for her to assert that. On top of that, we have the other claim in this section, which is 30 to 40% of the food is wasted due to the fact that people just simply can't afford to pay for it. Perfectly good food thrown away. Well, this is nonsense too, unsurprisingly. Yet, 30 to 40% of our food supply is wasted annually. Perfectly good food just thrown away because people couldn't pay money to buy it. So the first thing that you need to understand about the food loss and food waste estimate is that it is, in fact, just an estimate. And the loss number, which is how you get all the way up to that 40%, includes losses during the course of production. So if some of the harvest isn't done well, whatever, whatever, then those are included in the numbers. What we actually want to do is reduce this down to waste, like post-harvest food that is not consumed by humans or just thrown away due to the fact that people can't afford to pay it in our capital economy. Well, in reality, there is no such number that measures what she is purporting to say, because what waste is actually referring to is for any reason post-harvest, so it can't be a problem on the farm, if food is not consumed, it is considered in the waste category. It includes food that is not stored properly. It's including food that has mold on it. It also includes food that is eaten by pests. So if your food is consumed by insects or rats, even though that's not perfectly consumable food being thrown away to our evil capitalist system, it is calculated in the estimate of the 30% food waste in this country. Now, you might also notice on the bottom of your screen that it also can include, in some statistics non-edible food that could be consumed by animals or something else. This includes banana peels, bones, and eggshells. The idea that people are starving, 15 million of them, because we're not giving them their perfectly good non-edible eggshells, banana peels, and bones is absurd and incredibly deceptive. On top of that, this also includes cooking loss. So if you've burned any of your food to the point where you can't consume it, guess what? That is included in the food waste category. Now, whether or not that level of burnt is consumable, if you just gave it to somebody who is starving in this country, that's up to you. But again, we're not talking about food that's not being sold overall just because the evil capitalists aren't letting the poorest eat it. On top of that, there's also a shrinkage number in there because they measure the food loss in terms of pounds sometimes when you have natural shrinkage like moisture leaving the food it gets smaller and that is calculated in the food loss which is kind of ridiculous and absurd but again this person is not glued to reality in any possible way needless to say the american people actually don't waste that much food we still waste a lot of food and by the way there are mechanisms and people are trying to reduce that loss because those are inefficiencies the market over time seeks to correct but it's not nearly as dire as she's saying and it's also not perfectly good food not being sold to the pores it's stuff being eaten by rats eaten by insects and other things that happen during the course of having a food system that are natural or you know bad management or things that will be corrected going forward to a certain extent there are 553,000 homeless people yet Luxury rental properties accounted for 87% of apartment construction in 2018. Ah, yes, there are this many homeless people, and yet all you're doing is building luxury apartments. Well, again, what we have here is a total misrepresentation of the data that was put forward. First and foremost, this is not the total of 2018. This was the first six months of 2018. And if you look at what this study actually says, or what this survey actually says, it says that 87% of the apartments built in the first half or completed in the first half of that year were high-end apartments, not luxury apartments. And again, definitions are crucial in this situation because when you click to find the actual source in the articles that purport this situation, what you find is that their definition of high-end is not what you would think of when you think of luxury. So the source of this claim is actually an organization called Yardi. And what they claim is that 87% of the apartments completed in the first six months of 2018 were B-plus according to their ranking, which puts them into the high-end category. Now, when you click the links on the articles and follow it through to the end, you find the definition of what these high-end apartments are. So first of all, what you end up finding out, of course, is that their definition of high-end isn't even their definition of high-end.
high end, it's high mid range. So already we've gone from luxury apartments to high mid range apartments, which again, it's very important because the devil is always in the details. Now, according to the Yardi matrix, this actually appeals to what they classify as the lifestyle renters and what this category is typically a marker of are dinks renters, aka double income, no children households. Now, these households are on the rise significantly in the United States of America, and this is a relatively new phenomenon. So it makes sense that if these people are on the rise and they have different needs and different desires from people that are typically in the renters market before, then newer apartments would cater to this newer demographic of people. But what these income households are actually characterized as are the following. So the markers of people in the dinks category are typically people with good combined income. So they are doing financially well from themselves. However, these people are not those that are in possession of great wealth. And the properties that they're renting are usually marked by high finishing quality, attractive common area facilities, and they focus on creating an environment that provides a more social experience. Now, the typical cost of an apartment like this, depending on where you're living, might be a little bit more expensive or significantly more expensive to apartments that don't offer the same level of common space or the same level of amenities. But the thing is, these Dinks households don't typically require a lot of bedrooms, so sometimes the cost of these so-called high-end properties or high-to-mid-range, which is what it's actually measuring, are comparable to the properties that families would typically rent. When you go to the website and you look at the definition of these measurements, they're not actually measurements of the cost of these apartments. What they're measurements of is the quality of the apartments, the amenities of the apartments, who they're trying to appeal to. And according to this ranking, having more common area, maybe some smaller apartments, but more common space for social situations, more outdoor space, is a higher quality ranking than what you would get in the lower quality things, which might actually have more bedrooms or more personal to yourself space, which again would be something that you would look for if you were more in a family situation. What this has to do with the homeless population, a lot of them addicted to drugs, a lot of them experiencing mental issues, whatever, whatever, I don't know. There are 553,000 homeless people, yet luxury rental properties accounted for 87% of apartment construction in 2018. But this idea that homeless people are homeless because we're seeing more double income, no children households, and therefore apartments are being built to serve the people who live in those households isn't sensible at all, doesn't make any sense, and is totally misleading and another absurdity presented by Jessica Burbank. To be productive, we need to produce things. To be productive, we need to produce things. Oh my god, this woman just broke new ground in terms of intellectual conversation in the economy. But what is profitable is not always what we need and want. So this is fundamentally not true. Something being profitable means that it is, in fact, desirable by its very nature. If you can't find people willing to buy the thing that you're making, then you're not going to make a bunch of profits. That's just how it works. The whole reason people give you money for things is because they want the things more than the money. What fueled imperialism and colonization? Does our government violently intervene in societies abroad to fight for justice? or to secure more markets and resources. So here we have the open-ended question portion of the TED Talk, because, oh my God, I don't know if you guys know this, but all these wars, definitely due to capitalism. We didn't even have any wars before there was capitalism. There was no such thing as an imperialist power before capitalism existed. The Soviet Union, a communist society, totally didn't take over countries and force them into a Warsaw Pact, whatever, whatever. Never happened in the history of the world, only because of capitalism, whatever, whatever. It's totally tied in. Trust me. Just just believe me. And who controls our government, military and intelligence when we wage these wars? The American people or a small group of elites who profit off of U.S. military intervention. Now, we've always had people who made money off of war. Most of the time, they would make money off of plunder. They existed well before the advent of capitalist economies. What we ended up getting when we got capitalist economies was rules for war and standards that we actually implemented on other nations in the world so that we can somewhat reduce some of the atrocities that were so common to warfare. Not all of them, obviously not all of them, but some of them. So we've gotten better standards in terms of warfare, not worse standards. And who pays the trillions of dollars in taxes to fund these wars? 
the profiteers or the workers back home? So the wealthy paid the overwhelming majority of the taxes. The idea that it's on the back of the workers or whatever, whatever, that is just not the case. If you look at any charts of net income taxpayers across the country, what you'll find out is that the bottom 50% of the country actually pays a negative tax rate, while the top 10, top 20, top 1% all pay the majority of the taxes. Everything is coming from there. That's just the reality of it. You can say that you don't like their tax rate or whatever, whatever, but in reality, they're paying the overwhelming majority of the taxes. In the early to mid-1900s, poor people, working people, rose up in the masses, waging violent wars against the wealthy owners, the ruling class. But these wars only happened in a few places around the world. So then she talks about how, oh, eventually people rose up against their overlords, the landowners, the capital owners. And, you know, you got to watch out for that. You got to watch out for this warfare and all that because, wow, it's going to lead to such warfare. But the thing is, look at the list of these countries. First of all, a bunch of them are duplicate countries. like They combine into one. But whatever, we're not going to get into that right now. They were a part of the same communist revolution. But, you know, she, she don't know that. It don't matter. But most of these places that actually installed socialist governments, communist governments, got significantly worse. She has Korea on there as an example. That is obviously a reference to North Korea, and North Korea is one of the most repressive dictatorships in the history of the world. They're called the Hermit Kingdom because of the way that information and access to resources is so cut off by the communist revolution. What if, instead of allowing private owners to control our resources and use our workers to make profits... We organize our economic system democratically. We agree that the primary purpose of the economy should be to meet our material wants and needs. We all have a say in how the resources are managed. We organize labor so that workers can elect their leaders and own the means of production. So then she starts talking about democratizing the workplace. Isn't it so wonderful, stunning, and brave that if people could just vote on everything, you joined up in a company and you have the same level of say as the person who did the investments actually set the whole thing up and actually had skin in the game. Isn't that great? Isn't that stunning? And now she transitions to, oh my God, what I'm actually advocating for. I don't know if you guys know this, is socialism. And that's a good thing, trust me. We will not have liberty and justice until we have economic rights. Americans love liberty and justice until it is called socialism. The ideas that I just described are socialist. Socialism has been put in a box with the label bad on it so that people won't bother to look inside. But I looked inside that box and I found that the problem is not that people fundamentally disagree with socialist principles. The problem is that people have been taught to hate a word without ever defining it. You might notice that nothing I've said sounds like anything you've heard about socialism. It does not refer to centralized authoritarian control. So this is probably my favorite part of this entire video, where she says, everything I said was actually socialism. But the thing is, it's not like the socialism you've ever heard before. It's not authoritarian, it's not centrally planned, whatever, whatever. I'm talking about worker co-ops. And later on, she talks about seizing natural resources like oil. But the thing is, that she doesn't realize, and that all these lefties don't realize, is that it sounds exactly like how socialism is sold every single time all of the time the model she's describing throughout the course of this ted talk is the venezuelan model and this ted talk came out while the venezuelan model was completely failing let's focus on fossil fuels which we burn to make electricity i can imagine no reason why one person nor small group of people deserves to own an entire oil deposit or mineral deposit No one today was around 300 or 150 million years ago when organic materials settled to the bottom of lakes and oceans and through heat and pressure formed oil. No one did the work to make that oil. No one does work to make coal in a coal mine. All human beings were born on this planet as equals. No one person should own an entire natural resource and be able to personally profit off of extracting it. We can, instead, 
demand a vote to take public ownership of our... I mean, you guys all know about the nationalization of the oil industry in Venezuela. You all understand how the Venezuelan government ran that company into the ground. And by the way, for those of you who are like, the U.S. sanctions, the U.S. sanctions, the U.S. government didn't start sanctioning Venezuelan oil until the Trump administration after their country was already experiencing hyperinflation and all manner of other disasters. But this whole idea about democratizing the workplace, about getting all these worker co-ops together so people can vote on the decisions. On the front of labor, we can have 100% worker-owned businesses. Was actually the way that Venezuela introduced socialism into their country. Stephen Michael Davis covered this. I'm just going to roll into the clip because he explains it better, and you guys can see the numbers for yourself and see the reaction for yourself. Conveniently enough, there is a nation we can look to as a model. This nation really pushed worker-run cooperatives hard. This nation is... Venezuela. Upon taking power, Hugo Chavez declared himself to be an advocate for socialism of the 21st century. This experiment in socialism would not be like the authoritarian dictatorships of the 20th century. You might notice that nothing I've said sounds like anything you've heard about socialism. It does not refer to centralized authoritarian control. This effort was going to give power to the people in a meaningful way, according to a study conducted by Camila Pinheiro Harkiner, titled Workplace Democracy and Social Consciousness, a study of Venezuelan cooperatives published in Science and Society. While the exact numbers are hard to pin down, the estimated number of worker-owned cooperatives increased from 877 in 1998, when Chavez was first elected, to somewhere between 30,000 to 60,000 in less than 10 years. By the the end of Chavez's second term, cooperatives accounted for about 8% of Venezuela's GDP and 14% of the workforce. On the front of labor, we can have 100% worker-owned businesses. As Harkiner writes, it soon became clear to Venezuelan policymakers that many cooperatives were behaving like capitalist enterprises, seeking to maximize their net revenue, i.e. their narrow and individual collective benefits. I think we call that profits, without consideration of the ways they could help alleviate the problems of their surrounding communities. It's almost as if human nature didn't fundamentally change when they started working in cooperatives. Economic systems are not something we can see, touch, or feel. They exist only in our minds. The economic system is comprised of many individuals thinking a certain way about the economy and acting accordingly. So then, how do we change our economic system? We have a new and better idea about what the purpose of our economy should be. We behave differently, redefine the norms, rewrite laws, make new policies, and make the change. It's almost as if people continued to be self-interested despite government policies trying to incentivize solidarity. I wonder why that is. After they tried the peaceful method and it didn't work out, the rhetoric from Chavez himself started to change. In a 2007 interview, Chavez said, The model of cooperatives does not guarantee socialism because a cooperative is a collective private property. That is, if we are 20 in a cooperative, we are going to work for the benefit of us 20. And that is merely capitalism. Cooperatives would need to be impelled towards socialism. An enterprise is only truly socialist when society controls the means of production, and when these means are used towards societal ends. Chavez continues, An enterprise is socialist when it belongs to the entire community and, through communal councils, workers' councils, etc., operates under a direction, a plan. It produces in accordance with the interests not only of the cooperative members, but of an entire community. So Venezuela got its cooperatives, but it wasn't socialist enough for them. It's not a coincidence that the majority of property seizures and human rights abuses by the Chavez regime happened after this program was proven to be an abject failure. It is amazing how many times these people can propose the same exact failed idea over and over again and expect a different result and pretend like they're selling you something completely new completely different. This woman legitimately spent 16 minutes quote mining statistics completely out of context that she didn't understand while simultaneously proposing the exact failed model out of Venezuela and she's like wow I did this such new thing
thing that you never heard of. I just blew your mind. And she did it for a standing ovation at Brown University. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's disgusting and ridiculous. And what these people fail to realize, what they all fail to realize, is that their fatal conceit is trying to get rid of private property rights. The entire incentive structure for humans to produce has been based on private property rights. The establishment of those rights is what led to our standard of living finally rising after the 1700s. All of our prosperity is based on this recognition, the idea that you can own something, therefore you can leverage that ownership in order to get access to capital, in order to invest, start a business, in order to keep the returns of that business, is what led to human prosperity. Essentially, if you take away the right of people to own, you will ensure that they will in fact be owned. And that's what she's proposing, that's what they're all proposing, it's always the same thing, it's not going to work better next time, stop falling for it, these people are dangerous, they are ridiculous, and they're such buffoons, they don't even realize they're proposing the exact same new interpretation of this economic model that was pitched in failed countries already decades ago. But hey, those are just my thoughts, so let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. If you like the video, show them by leaving a like, subscribe for more content, follow me on all my social media, support me via the support links in the description box of this video. This has been me talking about TYT's latest contributor being a socialist loom bag. Till next time. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.